This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This episode is brought to you by Kensington's newest title by Shelley Lawrenston, Breaking Badger. Back with more sexy, shape-shifting antics, the New York Times bestselling author's outstandingly witty, snarky, steamy, world-building honey badger chronicles continue. It's instinct that drives Siberian tiger shifter Finn Malone to rescue a bunch of hard-battling honey badgers. But his closed-minded brothers refuse to have the badgers in their home. Things get more complicated when Finn realizes the badgers are the only ones who can help him solve a family tragedy. But after being so poorly treated, Finn's just not sure he can even get back into the Badger's good graces. One of the Badger's, Mads, knows her squad isn't about to forgive the cats that were so rude to them. But Moody Finn isn't so bad. And he's cute. The Badger part of her understands Finn's burning desire to avenge his father's death. After all, vengeance is her favorite pastime. So Mads sets about helping Finn settle his family's score, which has its perks since it gets her to avoid her own family drama. Not only is fighting side-by-side with Finn her kind of fun, she can also get in a hot and heavy snuggle with her very own utterly irresistible kitty cat. You can find Breaking Badger by Shelley Lawrenston wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep. We collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out... Why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is serendipity and your meet cute. Let's do this. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. Before we jump into this awesome episode, please remember to tell your friends about this podcast. Subscribe and, uh, you know, rate and review us. Give us a five-star rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, guys. It really means a lot to us. And if you haven't already subscribed, subscribe. Like, make sure you actually have subscribed to the podcast. Um, we're also on social media, guys. Follow us. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha is here with us today. Hey, y'all. What's up? <laughs> How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Happy to Where be back. Where are you on social media? I know. We're happy to have you back. Everybody tells me they miss you when you're not here. So I'm Aww. like, I am not Love good that. enough on my own, Aisha. Stop. <laughs> Plenty. Um, where can everyone find you? Well, if you guys miss me so much, you can find me at Aisha Says Dance everywhere, all the socials. Yes, follow her. <laughs> and I am at Natasha Chandel on Instagram. 
Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter, Natasha dot Chandel on TikTok. Guys, we also have merch. I don't know if you know this, but we do. We have merch. It's available in our store on tpublic.com. So uh, please get a kind of dating mug and support the podcast. Okay. I am actually really, really excited about this guest because I had heard about this company and what she was doing a while back. So, uh, and we've been trying to get her on the show for a few months. Admittedly, it's my fault um, because I'm all over the place, but I'm so excited to have founder and CEO of the entertainment company, Meet Cute. Guys, say hi to Naomi Shaw. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to have you. Uh, So, you know, Aisha always asks the first question. All right. Are you single or in a relationship? I'm in a relationship. (laughs) I was single for um, three years or so and just dating around. But then actually right before the pandemic, got into a relationship. There it is. Oh my gosh, (laughs) tell us. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So is this your meet cute story? It is. Yes. Um, and I actually have known the person that I'm dating now since college. So we started out as friends, kind of like friends that just say hi to each other across the room at parties and stuff, just very, you know, separate friend groups and things like that, but always like tangentially had known of each other. Um, and then it was three years after we graduated from school we started talking again, but it was all long distance. I was actually on the West coast a ton for work trips and just like saw him, you know, at like pregames and things like that when we were going out and we just started texting and stayed in touch over like, you know, text, turned to phone calls, turned to FaceTimes. Um, and then we started like doing the, every month we would go see the other person in their respective city. And then during the pandemic, we started officially dating like right before it started. Um, Mm -hmm. and like most pandemic relationships kind of went from, you know, not seeing each other at all being long distance to seeing, seeing a lot of each other at any given time. So it was kind of a funny acceleration. And I would say where we are in a relationship right now, we're just starting to like date normally, like, you know, be Mm -hmm. in the same city and, be able to like go out for a dinner and then go back to our separate apartments and stuff like that. So it's, it's been nice to just slow things down, um, kind of coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause my boyfriend, and I also met two weeks before the pandemic, we actually just met before then. And then, and we kind of went into the Though we always stayed separately, but we kind of went into the, you know, you're exclusive right away just because by way of the pandemic, we both had a discussion and we were like, yeah, you know, for safety, like, let's keep it between us. And then, but I kept joking to him. I'm like, it's like two things. One, it's all uphill for you because he's seen me just in like straight basically two weeks in in my PJs and no makeup all the time. And now he like sees me get dressed up and he sees me in makeup and we go out and it's like a whole new world, right? Because exactly what you said, now we do dinners with friends and and like we go do our own things multiple times a week where before we were just together all the time. Now it's like, oh, you have a life again. Yeah. It's kind (laughs) of like dating in reverse. Like I've talked to a bunch of people about this and it's like, you have like your you know, kind of eight years into a relationship, you imagine like 
sitting in your pajamas Sunday morning and being like, yeah, here we are. Like, we don't really have big plans. We'll just sit here and you do your activity and I'll do my activity. And that was like the earliest stages of dating for us. And now you get to do all these like fun things where you're meeting each other's friends and going out together. And it feels a little bit like we're, what is that movie? I think it's like Benjamin Button. Or yeah. yeah Benjamin Button. Like, you're like living <laughs> yeah. your life in reverse. We always joke about how we're kind of like, doing the first part of our relationship or a traditional relationship now. And we did the more like intense stuff. Like we like pressure tested the mm-hmm. edge cases of spending time together in a pandemic early on. No, it, it's kind of cool. Sorry. I yeah. Just- I was going to say, no, I was just going to say, it seems like this reverse dating is working for people. Maybe this is something we should think about. Right. <laughs> Everybody should get hunker down first. Yeah. Just start really intense. And then <laughs> ease up. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like, exactly. yeah, you need to like message the person that you're talking to on Hinge or Tinder and say, so what do you think about doing a three-week vacation together? I think the exactly. thing was, though, it's the lack of distractions, right? I think mm. that's the key is that, mm. at, uh, or what I've noticed was the difference is like when the pandemic happened, I think if two people were semi on the same page about taking it seriously, then people were sort of keeping it between two people. And so there were just no distractions. That's what I feel. That's a really good point. Actually, I was telling you guys about brunch right before we started the podcast. And I was talking to my friend and she's saying that like right now on the dating apps, it's just like, you just like forget to respond to people, you know, and like, it could be like missed Mm -hmm. opportunities to like find that perfect person. But once you're in the swing of things and you're going out and you're crazy busy at work and you're commuting, you just like these conversations fizzle and you never know, like that could be the person that you're supposed to be with and that you would have a great date with. But she's like, there are just lingering conversations that I don't have time to respond to, or I'm like, I got bored of it. And so you're not giving it the chance. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the pandemic, you were like, wow, this is like mildly like exciting. Like (laughs) I'm going to follow up with this person and see if I can hang out with them, you know? So, um, that said, like, I, I do think that, you know, you obviously don't want to like settle for a relationship in a pandemic, like that would be bad. But I I do agree with you that, you know, there were fewer distractions and also fewer other things for you to, um, you know, like nitpick at. You weren't like, oh, this person likes the Seattle Mariners. Like I could never date a Mariners fan, you know, like this person doesn't eat eggs. Like I couldn't date that person. Like there were just fewer things for you to nitpick at. And so you ended up, I think, deepening relationships in different ways. Because we finally realized there are more problems in the world. (laughs) Exactly. We're like, oh my God, we could all die. It's okay (laughs) that they like the Mariners. So Naomi, we're, we're, we're delayed in asking this question, but what's a meet cute? And tell us about your entertainment. Okay, so separately, what is a meet cute? And what is your entertainment company called meet cute? Great. So a meet cute is this literary phrase that describes that serendipitous moment where two people collide in the universe. And I use the word collide because in all of our favorite romantic comedies, often it's two people actually colliding. Like you're in a coffee shop and you just pick up your coffee and you drop your cappuccino on someone. They have coffee all over their shirt. 
and you guys are both fumbling and like trying to clean everything up, that is your meet cute moment or like high school hallway, all of your binders and papers fall on the floor. And like the guy reaches down to help you pick it up that when your hands touch, like that's your meet cute moment. And so it kind of describes this very in the moment intimacy between two strangers where you know that they're going to end up together. And the reason I love that word and why we named the entertainment company Meet Cute is because I actually think that every person goes through hundreds of meet cutes as they go about their week. They get on the subway, they have an interaction with the subway or like the um, you know, person sitting across from them on the train. You go get your coffee, you have an interaction with your barista. And what I love about the word meet cute is even though we use it in a rom-com context, you can have a meet cute with your best friend, or you could have a meet cute with a puppy, or you could have a meet cute with actually like another version of yourself. Like you discover something about yourself that you love or that you want to work on. Like that can be a meet cute moment. And so it just has so many endless possibilities. And I think it just takes slowing down a little bit and enjoying those moments. And I think that because we're always on our phones and we're zooming through life, we often just like, like skate past those moments. And we're like, oh, I'm so stressed about work, but you didn't remember that like someone smiled at you on the subway. So that's a meet cute. What we're doing and what our company was founded to do is we want to create as many romantic comedies for the world as possible. So we're an entertainment company. We make these scripted podcasts. They're all 15 minutes long and they focus on fictional stories. So fictional characters that go through their life and have me cute moments and discover something about themselves or the world around them through these stories. And so we started this in 2019. Since then, we've made over 350 stories. And part of what we're excited about is telling the best stories with really diverse casts. So early 2000s, our favorite rom-coms had a lot of straight white couples that lived in LA and New York and worked in like publicity jobs. And now we're focusing on telling all of the stories that are out there. So I always say like, one, every story can become a rom-com because it's like the most relatable emotion is like hope and optimism in those stories. And two, every person can be the main character of a rom-com. So like the elevator man or the, you know, the person driving the, the bus in the morning. And so as we are creating these stories, our vision for the company is really to build an entertainment brand that is audio stories, movies, TV shows, live events, books, and kind of vertically build a media company that exists in the space of making people feel good and telling stories about love and dating and relationships. Wow, that sounds amazing. Cute. Um, <laughs> so you guys, Aisha and Naomi, what what is your best meet cute? Do you guys have any? Oh, this is a really good question. Uh, <laughs> I have a couple. Probably the best one. I mean, the relationship didn't end well, but it started really cute. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was in, I was on a balcony with a couple of friends. We we're just chilling. And then we hear this like guitar playing. And then I look down and this this guy playing guitar. Um, and then he looks up at us and he points at me and he's like, this one's for you. And like plays a song. And yeah, it was really cute. <laughs> and then you hooked up. 
And yeah, pretty soon after that. <laughs> I can't blame him. Some a guy with a guitar. You know. <laughs> I think that one of my favorite meet cute stories from my life is actually um one that I've heard, like I heard a lot growing up. So it's actually my parents meet cute, but I am like claiming it as my own because it's a, it's a story that I always <laughs> wanted to like hear again and again growing up. Uh, so my parents had an arranged marriage which sounds like lack of a meet cute um, because like, it's like they, you know, they were like pulled together, but um, when they met, they basically went on an eight hour date at a coffee shop and four days later they were engaged. And then like 10 days later they were married. And it was one of those situations where, you know, like you always growing up hear stories of like true love and soulmates and stuff like that. And I actually just read a, a um, an article in the Atlantic about this and hearing my parents' story, like they just got married and we're like, this is it. Like that we're going to make this work no matter what. Um, it reminds me that a relationship isn't just like, you know, like two people meeting, colliding, and then like everything working out and it being perfect. It's really about like, you find some common ground and then they spent the next like 25, 30 years of their life, like building more love together. And, and it, it was like, you know, I always asked my mom, I was like, so did you like love my dad when you first married him? And he, and she was like, I knew I would love him. You know, like I, it wasn't like, I only had four days before like committing to him to, to decide. And so like, I didn't like love him yet in that, like, I didn't know everything about him, but like, I just decided that this is someone who I'm going to love and I'm going to make sacrifices for. And I'm going to, and my dad, same thing, like going to make sacrifices for your mom and all of that. And it just reminds me that like, there are probably like, you know, going back to that meet cute idea where you could bump into so many different people in the world. There are probably so many different relationships that could be your perfect one. And it actually just takes sticking it out and like working on things and, and sacrifice and so it just makes me think a lot about like the way that we portray love stories and the way we hear them and then the way that they actually work out in life. It's, there is a difference there, but they both are really incredible, I think, meet cute stories, you know, in their own way. Yeah, no, that's so cute. I mean, uh, when I was trying to think of this, you know, episode and, and, I was going through my meet cutes. Uh, there were two things that came to mind. One, when you said earlier, it could also be like a friend. My very first childhood best friend, she's still my best friend now. She's basically like a sister. I met when I was seven and we met uh, pl playing on, this is so Canadian, guys, <laughs> playing on ice in uh, at recess because I had just moved to Canada from Dubai or or India at the time, but I was I was coming from Dubai. And, uh, and I remember my parents were like, make friends with Indian kids. <laughs> and, and like, I was sitting in this class and there was, I didn't know anybody and we were out at recess and it's like Canada. So it's like the tundra <laughs> and it's like just snow everywhere. And, uh, and I remember like looking across the, the like playground basically and going, who's Indian? And like, I just stopped on this girl and it was like, you know, it, it was like if I was wearing like an Iron Man mask and, and Jarvis was going through my head, giving me like somebody's data. It was like that. It was like, Priyanka, 
you know, from my class and blah, 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 Indian. And so like, I just zeroed in on her and she was sliding on a patch of ice by herself. And then I walked Mm -hmm. over and I was like, can I slide too? And she just like moved over and like, that was it. And we've been best friends uh, since then. So it's like, I remembered that. I think kids are honestly the best at meet cutes. Like no Uh inhibition. I I don't actually like your story just reminded me like I remember I went to a Montessori school growing up and part of Montessori is like teaching you how to be like a good like you know like clean up after yourself and like zip up your jacket and hang it on the coat hanger and stuff and I remember like I was like very vividly hanging up my hanger on the coat hanger and this girl Hannah comes along and is like do you want to be best friends and I was like (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like that sounds good to me. And and then we just like did everything together, you know, like, and unfortunately like don't know where Hannah is anymore, but I just like probably like for three or four years, we like watched movies with each other every day after school and like did our homework together and played at recess together. And it was like, she just asked me to be her best friend. There was like, we didn't think about it at all. So I think kids are honestly like, we should look at them as inspiration. Like why don't adults go up to each other and are like, date me like yeah. do you want to be my best friend because <laughs> <laughs> now we'd be like what a fucking psycho yeah. get out of here with that <laughs> wow <laughs> you're like um this person is stage five clinger um, <laughs> no i mean but but relationship wise is funny because okay naomi admittedly i have a very bad memory this is going to sound terrible okay but i have such a bad memory i have written names down on a list of guys I've hooked up with because I don't remember people and I just don't remember situations. So then I, I like went back through this list going like, how, how did I meet these people? And there were so many that I realized like it was like at a party and I looked across and I was like, he's hot. That that guy was like, she's hot. And then, you know, you ended up Mm -hmm. hanging out. Um, but it was like funny because as I was going through this, this is a little tangential. It's not really about a meet cute, but I went through this list today and Aisha, you will laugh because I stopped on somebody's name and I was like, who's that? And I literally was like, because I don't put last names. And I was like, who is this person? Why would I ever have sex with somebody with this name? And I couldn't remember it. And then I ended up like, am I? Huh? And I went through my phone to look for this name because I was like, I don't even think I know anybody with this name. And then I was like, oh, this person. It was like one of those like ridiculous moments where I was like, I can't believe I have, like there's some sexual experiences that are so forgettable that you were like. (laughs) What would we do without text history to go search and find people? I have the worst memory ever. Um, So Naomi, you know, rom-coms, like you were just talking about it a little bit. Like you are in the business of rom-coms rom-coms though get a bad rap you know Mm -hmm. like people shit on rom-coms so I mean are they all terrible or or are there things that you have learned from making is it over 300 rom-coms yes a lot I love this question I think that more people need to talk about this um why do rom-coms get a bad rap like we love watching them we can sit down and watch one at any time like like, let's put it this way. The Bachelor and The Bachelor in Paradise are never going to win like cinematography awards. Like they're never like shot amazingly. They're not, they can't compete with like Citizen Kane and like movies like that. But like the entire country sits down on Monday nights and pours themselves a glass of wine 
and invites their friends over and watches the bachelor bachelor paradise because we, there's something about human connection and love and the quest for love that we find very optimistic and hopeful and makes us feel good. And you always walk away from that being like, all right, I related to something in there. Like maybe that person had a mental breakdown because they couldn't commit to a relationship that could be relatable. Or maybe that person, you know, just like fell in love in three days. Like that could be relatable. Right. So like rom-coms to me are, I like to say that they're like mac and cheese for your brain. We have so, (laughs) we have so many negative things going on in the world. We had like, you look at the last year and a half, there was a global pandemic. There was social and political unrest. We almost wake up every morning and have some kind of panic attack over the news headlines. And what are the things that we do to make ourselves feel good? Like you can go on a walk, you can listen to a podcast, you can hang out with your friends. The things that actually I think ground us and make us feel good are when you can consistently rely on something to say, at the end of this, I'm going to feel hopeful. And that's what rom-coms are. You sit down on the couch and you don't have to worry about someone dying at the end of that story. You don't have to worry about a war being waged in that story. All you have to do is say, I know at the end of this that things are going to work out okay. Like maybe the couple doesn't end up together, but like the character will become more confident by the end or she'll gain a best friend or something like that. And so rom-coms get a bad rep. I think partially out of um, like people sideline it as like, not as deep, but what is deeper than the human connections and the relationships that we have in our life? And these are just stories that talk about that. So I actually take issue when people sideline rom-coms because I I think it's a genre that everyone can like, not just like young women. Uh, I mean, my Mm -hmm. dad and I growing up watched rom-coms together all the time and he loved them. He would be like, you know, like he wouldn't like admit to it externally, but like when I was like, do you want to watch crazy, stupid love or like how to lose a guy in 10 days. He'd be like, yeah, I'll watch with you. You know? So like, it's one of those things that there's just so relatable. And I personally, like if I had to sit down and watch a rom-com for the hundredth time, like, I don't feel like the plot itself is the reason I would watch it. I feel like the feeling I get at the end is why I would watch mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about rom-coms and how they're perceived by other people? Aish, what do you think? I mean, I I will be the first to admit that it was never my favorite genre. Um, But I do think that there is something to say about people like being extra harsh about them, um, particularly because they are, you know, geared towards women. And there's just this this weird thing about things that are popular to women that are like bad, you know, like shitting on Twilight, shitting on rom-com, shitting on, you know, just stuff that like women tend to gravitate to, which... I personally take issue too. Um, and I do think, you know, that a lot of them were very problematic back in the day, as you know, we talked about, but I think the new ones and things that are coming up now are much more inclusive, um, much more realistic. And, and I agree. It's more about at the end of the day, the feeling that you get than necessarily the, you know, the minute details. So Aish, why didn't you like them? Um, I don't know. You know me, I'm not, I was never a romantic person. Fair, fair. <laughs> I'd rather watch an explosion. Um, but you know, it's, <laughs> you're a Harry <laughs> Potter girl. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But even even within like Harry Potter and those worlds, there's still like romantic elements. And I remember being drawn to those elements too. So at the end of the day, it's still banking on this feeling 
that this gives you. And I'll say the opposite. I love rom-coms. Even though I think Disney can be terrible for what it has done to girls, I still loved it. You know, like growing up, I always... Uh, I, I mean, I still, I'll, I'll, I'll tell her, I'm like, you know, no strings attached or friends with benefits were some of my favorite, like, rom-coms. They're just fun. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show and we've talked about it a lot. I think the problem does come in some of the tropes, right? Like, where you're saying, like, a guy treating you badly or is sexy mm-hmm. or um, uh, somebody who... Uh, doesn't want a relationship, you're going to chase them to want to be in a relationship. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, now looking back on Little Mermaid, for example, if you you think about it too much, somebody goes, oh my God, she gave up her legs for a man. Uh, Or, you know, sorry, her fins, like her her tail um, for a man. And, and that's bad. And, and so I sometimes I'm like, oh, let's not overthink it either. Um, but I do appreciate now that people are coming up with new takes on these things where these characters are coming from a more empowered place. I'm I'm actually a, a TV writer myself, um, and I'm developing two films, and one is a rom-com. And my big thing is, like, I'm very anti-stereotypes in anything I create. And so I'm kind of pushing back on my producers going like, no, this ending is like this. They don't end up together. And that is the the hopeful part yeah. of it, that That's they're the not staying in something that is, that is unhealthy, that they, the hope comes from the fact that they're still good and happy at the end going their separate ways. And it's like a tough thing to like beat mm-hmm. into this genre so is that something that you that you guys are kind of doing? Um, because, again, how many 300 stories? It can't all end up the same way, right? And and then conversely, when people do say, you know, give some of these criticisms of these tropes and the characters that came from a less empowered place, how do you tell, you know, romantics who are kind of consuming this content to use their discernment, I guess, while listening um, or watching, you know, rom-coms. This is a really important part of our business model, which is representation in this genre. And also when I say representation, not just like in terms of sexuality, in terms of race, um, but also in terms of the types of relationships. Like, for example, there are open relationships and we want to tell rom-coms about open relationships. And we want characters where the main characters are drag queens. And we want, um, you know, we don't want to tokenize any actor. So we, we don't want it to be like, oh, this is our Asian American rom-com, you know, like, no, like those people should take center stage because they are center stage in their own rom-coms. Right. So it's actually a really interesting part of why we've released this many stories instead of focusing on 10 stories every year where you can only tell 10 love stories. Our model is to tell hundreds of stories and have hundreds of writers writing these stories and have a few hundred actors acting these characters and really like put our money where our mouth is and bring creators to the stories where 
it'll naturally infuse the story with diversity without tokenizing those people. So examples like, you know, I think what you were talking about where like the ending is not a happily ever after, but it's a happily for now is actually a trope and a genre that we need to explore more of because like people don't always end up together, but they could end the story being more confident in themselves or more sure that they don't need a partner in life, you know, things like that. Um, so I actually think that when, when I say that like meet cute is an entertainment company, part of our mission statement or actually our entire mission statement is to inspire the full spectrum of love, which basically means that like love comes in many different shapes and sizes in many different cultures. So who are we as like individual people to decide what stories need to be told. Instead, we just want to create a platform. We call it an incubator for these stories to exist in the world. And so we've just created the ability to make these stories and like a very specific format to do it. But really it's up to our creators to make sure that our stories are representative of the communities that they're in and they're telling stories that are important to them. Um, a really good example, like when we just started exploring is international production. So we just did our first series that was written by a woman from Nigeria, acted by an entire Nigerian cast and produced in Nigeria. And people are often like, well, you could just have the production company based here because you have all these producers here. And I'm like, when you, like, these are really subtle things, but when you get a production company in Nigeria, they will infuse different music into the story and they will cut it differently because of the way that conversation goes there. And they will make sure that the actors say things in a certain dialect or in a certain certain tonality. And those are subtle things that you can't fake. Like you can't fake that kind of diversity. You have to actually go out and make sure that like the entire creation process represents that. And I think that that's a little bit of what Hollywood is missing right now, where you know, like there'll be one lesbian rom-com and like the whole Hollywood industry is like lesbian rom-coms, like new book thing. And it's like, maybe just focus on creating more stories of more people and you'll naturally get a much wider slate of stories. And so that's, we're almost trying to like break down the original rom-com stereotypes and rebuild the genre in a very new way. And the only way we can do that is by producing a ton of content to like it like flood the market with all of these new stories. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, again, we all have worked in entertainment, all three of us, right? And we do, or we have. And, uh, and I think when we're in the business, we understand how to consume content a little differently. So is there any advice that you give to, like I said, like romantics who are kind of listening or watching rom-coms, like how can they use their judgment when they are listening to these things and instead of thinking because Natalie Portman was such a bitch to Ashton Kutcher, I need to go after a bitch. Or be a bitch. Yes, or be a bitch. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, it's crazy that you're using this example because I was watching this, I was watching No Strings Attached last night and like fell asleep on the couch watching it. So it's like very fresh in my mind. (laughs) I think that the advice I would give is that you can't like replicate someone else's love story. 
um, you can't replicate your friend's love story. And that like, you, you might see your friend like get engaged young and like have the perfect relationship and all that stuff. Like if that's not meant to be for you, it's not going to happen. And so like feeling like you're not that person and therefore you're not going to like have your own great relationships and things like that is just so counterproductive. Um, like the fear of missing out, I think is like, we all experience it in some capacity, but it's just like a really counterproductive emotion because you're, you're, you're comparing yourself to something that is not you. And I think that like, you have to maintain that healthy space from the stories, even though you can feel good listening to someone else. Like when your best friend is telling you about like their amazing relationship, you have to feel happy for them. Even if like, you can't feel depressed that that's not you, you know? And so I think that like the same thing exists for rom-coms, um, which is that like, you have to like be able to feel the emotions, the positive emotions associated with it without being like, I need to meet these unrealistic expectations or like, you know, like you look, you like watch Legally Blonde and she goes to law school and like meets the love of her life. Like I would hope that my friends are not going to law school to meet the love of their life, you know? And so it's like <laughs> stuff like that where like, as soon as you have friends that are doing that, you're like, okay, you have to check yourself. Like we need to go out to dinner and talk through this issue. Cause like it's, it's not going to be like that. And oftentimes like the whole point of the word meet cute, the phrase is that like, it'll happen in the times when you don't expect it. And so waiting for your life to be a rom-com is never going to happen. You have to go through your life independently, happily, all of that stuff. And then it'll just happen to you at some point. Um, if you're open to it, you know, like, again, you go through hundreds of meat cutes in a day. So like, if you're open to it and the things, you know, little timing things line up, it'll happen to you. Just can't wait for it to happen. You can't like sit around and be like, you know, this person's going to walk in the coffee shop and going to spill his coffee on me today. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> it's such a good point. Cause I do think we've all done that before, right? Like we hear our friends' stories of how they've met and then we try to replicate it instead of uh, trying to maybe understand what place they were in in their life when they got to that point. Or, uh, I mean, it's just like what you said, that idea of serendipity, right? Um before I met my boyfriend, a six months, a year before maybe, I created a vision board, and um, and admittedly, the one point I, the one area of my vision board that I gave the least importance to was the love part, but it was there, and I put these pictures up, going like, whatever, this will never happen but let me just do it. And all it was, was like pictures of, it was interracial couples, like not all, but they were, I was like, they had to have brown babies. <laughs> and I was like, they need to be brown, but like everybody's happy. A, a big thing of like a couple just laughing all the time. And then I remember I had a picture of uh, Amal and George Clooney. Um, and then I had a word serendipity. <laughs> and underneath it, and I don't even believe in serendipity. I'm, I'm not a romantic where like I watched the movie. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and but the, I remember kept looking at my vision board and kind of laughing at I put serendipity and I put the whole quote under it, which was finding something good without looking for it. Mm. And I just was like, 
Yeah. I don't know. How, I was like, literally like, that's never going to happen. And, <laughs> and then fast forward, my boyfriend is like a salt and pepper haired guy, you know, like he looked like George Clooney. We always laughing all the time. He is a different ethnicity than I am. So, you know, it's like, it, I just looked at it later and I was like, what the fuck? Um, so like that but, is the but crazy I never, manifestation right there. <laughs> yeah. But I never went into it going, this is going to work. I never went into even the date going, this is going to go beyond this. I was very in the moment going like, I'm just having fun. And yeah. I'm just going to keep going as long as I'm having fun. And luckily I've been having fun, you know, yeah. for a long time now. And so, uh, so there is that idea of, Sometimes you find good things without looking for it. But let me ask you the devil's advocate question in that is what is the balance between not looking and like still being proactive and not yeah. being passive? Well, I actually think that like, even though and I'm curious Aisha, what you think after this, but I think that like what you were saying, even though you said it like it wasn't serendipitous, you know, like you weren't like you like or like you don't believe in serendipity. I actually think that like living in the moment and not having like these like wild future plans and expectations is really serendipitous. Like I think that like it means that you have this like flexible idea of like what the relationship can turn into. And you don't have these crazy high expectations of. I need to be at this checkpoint by this age and then this checkpoint by this age. And I, and I think that that really helps. I don't know if you guys follow the influencer Tinks on Instagram. Um, okay. So she's this influencer. I actually went to college with her. She's a few years ahead of me, but she has this saying, comparison is a thief of joy. Mm. And I think that like going through the, especially the early stages of a relationship without comparing yourself to other people or benchmarking to like society's expectations, I think that that is a very serendipitous way to start a relationship where you're like, I don't know what the next date is going to hold. I don't know if I'm going to like, like this person the next time I hang out with them. But like, I had fun last time, so I'm willing to give it a shot. And I think that that type of behavior, chasing that feeling of like wanting to have fun and maybe do it one more time and then do it one more time. And then three years later, you're like, wow, that was a lot of one more times. Like that was really fun. This is great. You know, I think that that is serendipitous. And, and I think that like more people in relationships like that, um, find that like that works out. That's just like anecdotally from my experience. I'm sure that someone who has like manifested every step of their relationship also, they could have great relationships. I just haven't seen that in my experience with my friends working out as successfully as, not comparing yourself and not having really rigid guidelines of where you need to be and, and what your relationship is. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think there's definitely a fine line between, you know, having the manifestation, having the, the dreams and the goals, but then you actually have to do something about it. You know what I mean? You can't just, I don't know, unless you're like really powerful, you can't just make the vision board and expect the person to show up. Like you have to uh, go on the dating apps. You have to put yourselves in situations where you're going to meet people. Like the person that I'm currently dating now, it was a similar thing. I had to, I had to un unclose myself. I had to open myself up to even meeting somebody first of all. And when I did that, then I said, okay, I know I want to 
start dating in the queer space. So I started putting myself in more queer spaces. And, you know, once you put yourself out there and add that to, you know, the visions and all the the lists that you put, things magically happen. The serendipity goes down. So it's a definite combination. It's almost like (laughs) you have to serendipity. It's like, if you think about serendipity as a passive thing, it's actually really lazy. Cause you're like, Oh, if I just go through life, things will happen for me. You have to exactly what Aisha said, put yourselves in situations that maximize your chances of serendipity. Yes. That also, part. I just love that Aisha talked about somebody because uh, that's like a big thing, Naomi, on here. Yeah. I'm the one who shares and shares and shares. And uh, <laughs> our little Aisha is opening up. I love it. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's true, right? Like that is the, the balance because – and I think that's not just in relationships. That's anything in life. Like I know Absolutely. my friend – um, has asked this question about career too. Like how much do you do, do, and then how much do you let go, uh, in the process? And, and I think in the dating world, it's the same thing. You, you have to take some steps. It's just this idea of not getting attached to, to this being the way or this being the one, um, and kind of, like Naomi said, like following that joy a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then suddenly you wake up and it's a lot of little bits, like you said, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that is that sort of the way you think to sort of bridge the gap between sort of the rom-coms that you listen to on Meet Cute and dating in IRL? Like how how are we doing that? Yeah, I think that the way to think about the bridge is that there are certain emotions and feelings that exist in both fictional storytelling and real life. And that is the bridge. How you get those feelings, like in a rom-com, it might be more buttoned up, right? Like there might, there is like a beginning, a middle and an end. Cause like it's a story and someone's written it and imagined the entire thing in its entirety. And no one has imagined your life in its entirety for you. You have to like go out there and create it. And so that's where I think, like not taking things super seriously, both in like your professional life and in your personal life helps a lot. And it's a really hard thing to do because especially if you're like, you know, very ambitious or you um, hold yourself to high standards and you're like, this is what I imagine for my life in the next five or 10 years, it's really hard to not take yourself seriously. So I think it takes active reminders. Like I have to like write notes to myself, you know, and like remind myself that like things don't work out in certain ways and you're still you know, you're still valuable. You're still worth something, you know? And like, I think it just takes like a really strong community around you to like remind yourself of that. Hopefully like a partner that, that can remind you of that. But at the end of the day, I think it's like the feeling that you get from being with people that you care about in the, in the real world is the same feeling that characters in rom-coms feel. And so that is the common link. The only difference is that in a story, a writer and a producer and an actor have imagined the entire thing for you. Whereas in your own life, you have to, you are the writer and the actor and the producer. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. And there's this, I mean, there are parts of rom-coms that I do love that I think we all love, which is the people that are hopeful, right? Because as much as we feel very jaded with what's going on in our dating lives. 
we always, I, I'm all, I always say like, even the fuck boy who's at a bar is hoping to meet the love of his life there. <laughs> and like secretly, because why else is anybody going out? And like, we've all seen, like we've all dated some shithead that six months later is now getting married because <laughs> they were also just waiting for somebody to, you know, sweep them off their feet in their own way. So I, I do think that, what I love about rom-coms is there's this earnest hopefulness, you know, to mm -hmm. at least one of the characters. Um, right. I think the the balance is in still using your judgment in that, which is you you're not you don't have to be naive when you're dating people, but you could still be hopeful and and put your best foot forward. Um, but if somebody's giving you fucking red flags. It's okay to walk away, um, you know, uh, but but that part I love. And I also love that that there's always this lesson towards the end about somebody overcoming themselves yeah. and maybe their jadedness or maybe their hurt um, mm. that is blocking them from finding love. Natalie Portman in No Strings <laughs> Attached, you know, uh, there's always one character that went through some shit in their life and right. that's why they're blocked. And so there's stuff to learn that we can take as we're dating like IRL and, and, and take some of the good, th good stuff from it. I completely agree with you. I actually think if you think about rom-coms and you take away the like romantic interest a complete mm. story on its own. It's a character progression. Like you'll never see the character, the main character, the protagonist as a static thing in a rom-com. And you could take away the romantic interest. It would be a little bit less interesting of a movie probably, but like there is always some kind of character progression. And like that mirrors exactly what all of us hopefully are going through annually or biannually or like however often we go through changes in personalities and you know the way we think and all of that um I was also thinking of something that you said which is that there's like usually like the hopeful person in the story and there's always like the best friend who's like super real mm -hmm. and is like why are you dating this fuck right. boy or like right like like that always exists and like the best friend we almost have to like be the like main character and stay hopeful and optimistic and then also be the best friend character. That's like, yep. what are you doing? Yep. Mm -hmm. No, it is so true. Uh, and it's so easy, right? To be other people's best friend. It's so easy yeah. to spot that in, like some red flag in somebody else. And we look at a guy or girl or person that somebody's dating. We're like, that person is a complete loser. Um, but but we can see it while our friend is like completely in love with them. Um, right. But it, like you said, it, I, I love that to be, to sort of be your own best friend um, and kind of be able to see that when we're going out there. Yeah, totally. 100%. <laughs> well, Naomi, thank you so much for being on uh, Kind of Dating. This was so awesome. You're not completely done. Uh, we do something called Six Questions, which is like our, uh, you know, dating version of what Oprah does with Super Soul Sunday, I guess. Um, and so, you know, it's like a rapid fire thing. Uh, don't think about it too much. You know, just be in the moment. Awesome. Let's be serendipitous. Who knows? <laughs> serendipitous. Um, Naomi, are you ready for your sixth question? I'm ready. Okay. 
What is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Their humor. Uh, what is one deal breaker? Isn't nice to people when others aren't looking. Mm. Mm, good one. What mm. turns you on? Winks. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook winks or in, in person, person winks. winks? Like winks like across the room when like no one else knows, but you're like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so cute. Uh, what are one of your st- strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Strength? I think I'm a very present person. Like I, I don't, um, I like put my phone away on dates and like want to actually be there and talk. And like, I actually love going deep on things. Very related weakness. I actually think that I'm working on communicating around my emotions a little bit better um, in like describing them in words. Like I, I have the feeling and I'm like, I don't know how to articulate this. And it, it's taking me some time to figure that out. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, what is love? I think love is sacrifice. And I don't mean that in like a, you have to like give up things, but I mean that in a, you will always do more than you're not selfish about things. You, you want, you care more about that person than like a personal comfort or something like that. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, like the way that like parents care about their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Coffee is ready. <laughs> yes love it well Naomi thank you so so much again for being on the show how can everyone find you and how can they uh access meet cute so meet cute is on every audio platform in 15 minute stories so apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get audio we also are are really active on socials like tiktok and instagram so make sure you go check us out there and then personally i'm on like all social media, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, if that's your thing. Um, but yeah, just come find me wherever I'm at N Shoster on Instagram and Naomi C. Shaw on Twitter. And we will have all uh, the links to these in the description of this episode, guys. So please make sure you follow Naomi and meet cute. Thanks again. This was so fun. Thank you. Great. Great yeah. chatting with both of you. I can't wait to listen to some of those episodes. Oh, yes. You have to tell me which one is your favorite. Well. (laughs) And guys, we're also on social media. Please make sure you follow us. We're at Kind of Dating Across the Board. Aisha, where are you at? I am at Aisha Says Dance Across the Board. And I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a second rate and review this podcast, we would be so grateful. Also, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. 
Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. And Deanna Martinez is our graphic designer. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.